Good morning. It's been a while since we looked like this. It's good to see you. Will you stand with me as we begin worship? Uh, today we're going to start in Psalm 95. If you would read this with me. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Amen. Father, we uh, come before You with this posture that You, uh, you are our Father, You are our Shepherd, You are uh, all Your provider of all that we need, and. God, we come and worship you because the provision that you made for us, the all that we need is that you sent your son uh, to us as a man and that he would die in our place for our sin, that we could come and worship you and lift up hands that are no longer stained uh, by unrighteousness but covered in the righteousness of your son. And so we come to you this morning. And we ask that as we do, that you would draw near to us and move in our hearts. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You, my God, have saved my soul. I am yours forevermore. I won't be moved of this, I'm sure. You are my God and you saved my soul.
save my soul. I am yours forevermore. I won't be moved of this, I'm sure. You're my God and you welcome you to Cross Community Church this morning. My name is Leandra Livesey, and I'm the children's minister here, and I'm so excited that so many of you all are able to join us today. I especially want to welcome those of you who are joining us for the very first time. We hope we had a chance to meet you at our first-time guest um, tent, and for those of you online, we hope that you are checking in with us and saying hi, but if not, be sure to stop by outside afterwards so that um, we can just get to know you a little bit better. So there's a few things I want to highlight for you this morning. It's important things to know as we begin our time together. The Next Step cards are on the seats in front of you for those of you who are here with us. And for those of you that are not, um, we have that online in the links as well if you're joining us um, on our Facebook page. So this is the number one way that we connect with you every Sunday. If you have prayer requests, if you want to get involved, join a community group, I keep plugging that we are very soon, we sent out a survey this week, and I'm excited that we will be having Cross Kids coming back in person very soon about that. And for parents that are here with us in the gym, we have set up like a little table back there, and if that might be something, (laughs) thank you for the cheering on that, useful um, for your children just to kind of keep little hands occupied, please feel free to just um, join them back there with that. Um, But the one thing that we definitely want to say in that is that we will need volunteers. So if you're interested in volunteering with children or any capacity, let us know and somebody will be happy to follow up with you about that this week. Um, One thing that we really want everyone to know, whether you're meeting with us here in person or online, is that we still have community groups going on in homes all over Beaufort. And we definitely want to make sure that if you consider cross-community home, that we are plugging you into one of those community groups. So if you have not gotten involved and you want to join one, please make sure to let us know about that, and we will be following up with you about how you can get involved. Um, For those of you, like I said, that are online, you can go to our website, do the Next Step cards to stay in contact. And we like to take a little time each week to highlight an opportunity to give. The information is behind me here on the screen. And for those of you online, um, you can set up a donation, again, or at our website. But the thing I want to highlight, what your giving has done this week, if you saw um, us, they were at the second service, so it wouldn't have been online. But we had 26 of our kids, and I think it was 35 altogether, of our students who were here finishing up a retreat last weekend. And from that, we were able to celebrate that one of those students really came to know Jesus for the very first time. And so we were so, I know, can we celebrate that? That was so exciting. And so because of your just incredible giving, students were able to just, they had a blast just staying here. They got to go swimming. They hung out in, ho- in homes. Our new student, Pastor Cole, um, has been able to really connect with them, even coming in the middle of a pandemic and, and being hired um, and getting to know these kids. So they had a blast, and we appreciate you so much for making that possible. Thank you all for being here today. Will you stand as we continue in worship this morning? Thank you. 
got a copy of God's Word. Uh, turn to Psalm 23. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 6. Please read along with me. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for these words, Lord, that you provide a place for us to find rest and peace in you. Um, God, even in these uh, crazy times we're living in, Lord, the uncertainty uh, of the world and everything else in our daily lives, uh, we know that you are certain, Lord, that you're, you're unchanging, that you're faithful, Father, and that, that uh, Lord, that we can count on you day in and day out. Father, we thank you and praise you for that. Pray that you be with Taylor as he brings your your word, Lord, use him as a mouthpiece to uh, just let us hear what you have for us today. In your name we pray. Amen. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Psalm uh, chapter 23. I know we're having some screen issues in the room uh, right now. So those of you watching in the overflow room, we'll try to uh, get those sorted out in the next few moments. But uh, if you're here with us for the first time today, uh, first welcome. My name is Taylor. I serve here at Cross as lead pastor. And uh, we're thrilled and honored that you've chosen to come worship with us this morning. And uh, what we've been doing as a church family the last several weeks is we have been studying verse by verse uh, Psalm chapter 23. And um, several weeks back, we really felt the Lord pressing us to go this direction uh, because with all of the uncertainties and the challenges and the frustrations that we have faced this year, we wanted the truth planted at the forefront of our minds to be that the Lord is our shepherd. 
And because he's our shepherd, he's the one that's guiding us. He's the one that's leading us. And we can have confidence that he's never going to forsake us. We've seen in these last few weeks that Jesus Christ has conquered the grave itself so we can truly live without fear of any evil that surrounds. Psalm 23 is not just one of the most famous passages of scripture in the Bible. It's maybe the most well-known piece of poetry in all of literature. Back in week one, we, we talked about how one of the reasons why these promises have been so transcendent across all the generations is because Psalm 23 answers the three primary desires that every single person experiences. It's how to experience a full life, how to die a good death, and how to live for eternity. And we're going to see all three of those desires wrapped up in this one single verse today. Um, this year, in my own devotional time, I've been working through a devotional book called The Promises of God. And uh, this is basically an update to Charles Spurgeon's classic devotional, Morning and Evening. And the entry for June 21st was a reflection on Daniel 12:3 that says, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sun. And this was the reflection from Spurgeon for that day. Right, is my life a wise one? Am I seeking that which I ought to seek? Am I living as I will wish I had lived when I come to die? Only such wisdom can secure for me the eternal brightness of sunlit skies. And for the last six months, it has been so easy to be locked in and focused only on the short term and the immediate future. Uh, we, we just want to know, man, what, what information do I need to know to get through today? What do I need to know to get through this week? We're just waiting on the next piece of information to drop so we can maybe begin some semblance of planning and, and some relative sense of normalcy in our lives. But I just wonder how often in the midst of all of this over the last several months and in the midst of all the chaos and the uncertainty and new information coming at us 24 hours a day, it seems, how often do we allow ourselves to pause and contemplate eternity? How often do we allow ourselves to pause and contemplate eternity? There's plenty of biblical wisdom that encourages us not to worry about tomorrow, but the irony is that the way you and I make the most of today is by being focused on the eternity to come, living in light of the eternity that's to come. So today we're going to see two distinct promises here in verse 6. One is really truth that will sustain us in the here and now, and the other is hope for the eternity to come. We want to see both of these because it's not healthy to isolate the here and now from the there and then. If we only focus on the here and now, what we'll do is we'll lose sight of our ultimate goal, which is the glory of God. But if we only focus on the eternity that's to come, oftentimes this can just be an empty sentiment that dismisses the pain and the suffering that we're experiencing in the present. It was Oliver Wendell Holmes who said that there are some who are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. So, so we don't want to isolate what's happening in the here and now from what's coming uh, in the there and then. So what we're going to do today is we're going to see these two promises from verse 6, uh, one to sustain us in, for in the here and now, and the other a hope that points us to the there and then. So uh, today we are going to be closing our time with a time of prayer and reflection and communion. So uh, it's going to be a bit short, but I, I just hope that in our brief time this morning together, I, I hope that you'll see this, that both in life and in death, the steadfast love of the Lord will never fail. In life and death, the steadfast love of the Lord will never fail. And because we are his, we enjoy an everlasting fellowship with him. And that is both in the here and now, and it's in the eternity to come. So let's read from Psalm 23 again, verse six. David writes, surely, everybody say surely. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
So first, we, we find in the first half of verse 6 a promise for the here and now, and the promise is that his favor will not relent in life. His favor will not relent in life. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. This word surely that David uses here can also be translated as only, as in only goodness and mercy will follow me. So other translations that you might have this morning, it might say goodness and love or goodness and unfailing love or goodness and loving kindness or goodness and faithful love. Regardless of how it's rendered in your translation, the clear emphasis here is that the Lord is steadfast and he is unrelenting in his desire to lavish his goodness and kindness upon his children. He chases us with it. He pursues us with it. You know, it's interesting for David to say that only goodness and mercy would follow him because we know of the life of David that all the things that happened to him were not only good, right? So, so you look at just the life of David, we see that he spends time on the run as a fugitive from Saul, who was king at the time. He's trying to kill him. He faces betrayal in his own household as his son Absalom tries to rise up against him. He commits gross sin uh, against uh, Uriah's wife and against Uriah, and he, he takes Bathsheba, and of course she becomes pregnant, and he has uh, Uriah put to death in a conspiracy to assassinate him. His infant son dies, and then, my goodness, just read the Psalms. I mean, David goes through these extreme, you would think David was schizophrenic just reading the Psalms. I mean, because in one moment, he's like, I love God so much, and the next passage, he's like, God hates me. He doesn't love me anymore. He's forgotten me. He just kind of goes back and forth. And so David experiences both of these extremes of the highs and the lows. But the reason he can say with confidence that only goodness and mercy will follow him is because he's living with eternity in mind. He's keeping his eyes on the end goal. This is true for all who are in Jesus Christ. All who are in Christ get to cling to this promise that we will be followed by goodness and mercy and that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to turn with me in your Bible for just a moment to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to read together uh, verses 28 through 30. And what we see in this passage, these few verses, we see God's plan from before we were born until the moment we see him face to face. We see his plan for chasing us with goodness and mercy. So let's read from Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. Paul writes, And we know that for those who love God, all things, everybody say all things, all things work together for good. For those who were called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Let's, let's just break down what Paul just said there in verse 29. Because this really start to finish for us from a truth that, that really was true for us before we were born, a truth that's gonna be true for us long after we are gone. Paul lays out God's plan for pursuing us with goodness and mercy. So first, Paul says that God foreknew us. Now, this does not simply mean that God in his omniscience knew ultimately one day who would be saved. We know this is true because the next thing Paul says is that those he foreknew, he predestined. That is, he marked us out. He appointed us. He determined us beforehand. Then he says those he predestined, he also called. So he draws to himself those that he's chosen. Then those he called, he justified. That is, he has declared us righteous through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And pay attention to this. And those he justified, he glorified. Not glorifies or will glorify in a future tense. It's glorified in a past tense. 
So, so Paul is saying, he's writing of our future hope and glory with such confidence that he uses the term glorified, past tense, as if he's saying, it has already been done. That is how secure we are in Jesus Christ. That Paul would say, we have already been glorified in the same way that we've already been justified and declared righteous from our sin. So the reason we can be confident that we're going to be followed by his goodness and that all things are going to work together for good is because God has already orchestrated that goodness in eternity past, and he has already sealed it for eternity to come. That is the security for the believer in Jesus Christ. It follows us. Church, God's grace not only pursues us, it preceded us. It came before us. It was waiting for us the day that we were born. And the, you, you look at this word follow that David uses. Similar words are used in scripture to describe those who persecute or harass. That's what his goodness and mercy is doing to us. It's chasing after us. Think of it like this. God is like a, a telemarketer who's blowing up your phone every 30 seconds to say that you've won a billion dollars, except he's not bluffing and it's not a scam. It's true every single time. Or think of it as, as two small kids who are following around their mom all day long. Hey, mom, hey, mom, hey, mom, hey, mom. And she's probably not referring to them as goodness and mercy. Won't, won't, give, their, won't give her two seconds of privacy on her own. They've got their, their arms wrapped around her legs everywhere she goes. Or just think about paparazzi crew chasing around a celebrity while they're trying to be on vacation. It's like that for us, except it's nonstop goodness and mercy. That's what the Lord is chasing us with. John Stott has uh, just an excellent little book called Why I'm a Christian, where he uh, details really his personal testimony of how he came to faith in Christ. And this is a, a classic work. It's a, a short read. I'd encourage you to check it out. And uh, he writes in the first chapter just of his own personal testimony. He says, why I am a Christian is due ultimately neither to the influence of my parents and teachers, nor to my own personal decision for Christ, but to the quote unquote hound of heaven. That is, it is due to Jesus Christ himself who pursued me relentlessly even when I was running away from him in order to go in my own way. And if it were not for the gracious pursuit of the hound of heaven, I would today be on the scrap heap of wasted and discarded lives. He pursues us from start to finish. You know, just to kind of put my cards on the table this morning, you'd probably guess this about me if you heard me preach more uh, than once or twice. Uh, I, I tend to lean a little bit more reformed in my theology, and particularly in my theology, my understanding of salvation. What, what I mean by that is that I, I place a heavy amount of emphasis on the sovereignty of God in saving us. And, and one of the main reasons for this is not just simply for the truth that I find to be plainly revealed to us in Scripture. This is my own personal testimony. Because I look back, I mean, I grew up like many of you within the church, but my goodness, from the time I was 11, 12 years old, I was trying to run from it. I wanted nothing to do with it. Couldn't wait till I turned 18 and I moved out of my parents' house. I didn't have anything else to do with this whatsoever. And I, I tried to run away from the Lord. I tried to intentionally rebel against my parents and, and being involved and active within the church. I would show up and I'd have a bad attitude. And over and over and over again, I made these attempts to escape and then boom, 32 years old, I'm pastoring a church. And it finally hit me somewhere around like 18, 19 years old. The reason I, I was driven at that young of an age to start studying theology and start studying scripture because it's like a little kid who wants to know how a magician did a trick. I wanted to know how the Lord got me. I'm like, how did you do that? Like I was trying to run away. I mean, every single time we sing the hymn, Come Thou Fount, like I cannot help but lift my hands every time we sing those words, Jesus sought me when a stranger. Because it's just screaming in my heart like that was me. I was running. I was wandering from the fold of God. 
and the good shepherd chase after me. The hound of heaven pursued me and he tracked me down. And I know this work wasn't of my own decision. It wasn't because I raised my hand and prayed a prayer and walked an aisle. And it's not just because my parents raised me within the church and taught me to follow Jesus. It's because Jesus Christ from eternity past had marked me out as his own and all the days of my life, goodness and mercy have followed me. That's what God's word has revealed to me. And that's what's been true in my own life. It chases us. It's pursuing after us. Lamentations 3.22 says of the mercy of God, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never come, mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, everything is going to work out together for our good. God has planned that since eternity past, and we get to cling to that goodness. It chases us, but then he also chases us with mercy. It's new every single morning, meaning that the same mercy that was new and available to you yesterday is also new and available to you today, and it is already waiting for you tomorrow morning. Because God has planned this from eternity past. Mercy is chasing us. Now, this year, we, we've seen the emergence of, of what's really become known more online, uh, in the online world, as, uh, as cancel culture. And, and the concept behind cancel culture is that if a person or a group or an organization does something that's considered uh, objectionable or offensive, that person should be ostracized and support for them should be withdrawn, which might sound kind of innocent on the surface, but uh, more often than not, what it results in is shaming and humiliation and condemnation for the person who's being quote-unquote canceled for the person from whom uh, that, that support is being withdrawn. And, you know, I, I think as followers of Jesus, of all of the concerns that we could have about the current state of our nation, about the current state of the church, I think the one thing that should haunt us the most as followers of Christ is that we are by and large becoming a people without mercy. We're forgetting what it means to be merciful. We're so easily offended as our culture. So easily offended. We are so quick to protest. We are so quick to hold grudges. We are so quick to ghost people. They do something wrong that we don't like, man. We just, we just ignore them for the rest of our lives. Won't respond to their text. Won't respond to their call. Won't respond to their email. Just walk the other way. If I see them in the grocery store, no hope whatsoever of reconciliation. We're becoming a people without mercy. And this is all the antithesis of what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's the exact opposite of what God intends for his people. We never look less like Jesus than when we fail to show mercy. Because in spite of all we've done, in spite of how wickedly we've sinned, in spite of how miserably you and I have failed to faithfully follow Jesus, church, the only thing Jesus ever canceled was our sin. He's raised us to new life in him. Instead of publicly shaming us and withdrawing support for us, what did he do? He took our shame upon himself. He became our sin. He became our shame and he took our place and death. And in the greatest exchange of all of history, God's vengeance and wrath were poured out on Jesus and then goodness and mercy was poured out on us. Goodness and mercy have chased us and they pursued us because Jesus has stood in our place to receive the wrath and condemnation against sin. I just wanna ask you this morning, is there anyone from whom you are withholding mercy? Who's hurt you? Who's harmed you? It's easy to, to cancel people out. And it's easy to write people off. But, but when, when we look at the work of the cross and we look at what Jesus Christ has done for us, I just wonder, is it a friend? Is it a family member? Is it a coworker? Is it a strange person that you're arguing with on the internet who you've never met before? Is it a politician that you've disagreed with? And what if instead of waiting for people to come groveling back to us, what if we chased them with mercy the same way Christ has pursued after us? Before you rush to cancel others, 
remember the God who refused to cancel you. It doesn't mean that forgiveness is always gonna be easy. It doesn't mean that it's always gonna be quickly. It doesn't mean you should just force it because there's, there's serious deep wounds that many of us have to work through and there's long-term reconciliation that has to take place. But before we run off and cancel others, remember the God who stood in your place and canceled your sin. Goodness and mercy chase after us. So that's our promise for the here and now. Second, we see in the second half of verse six that our future is not at risk in death. So his favor will not relent in life. And then our promise for the there and then is that our future is not at risk in death. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. This is not uncertain to David as he's writing this. This is exactly what Paul was expressing in Romans chapter eight. Those whom he justified, he glorified. It is already set in stone. It is written as if it has already occurred. In Jesus Christ, our future home and dwelling place have been permanently and eternally secured. This is how Jesus says it in John 14, one through six. Cole preached through this passage several weeks ago. Jesus tells his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. I love this. Always love this. Thomas, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All that we have, all that we are, all that we desire, it's been given to us through Jesus Christ. He makes the way for us from eternity past to our earthly present to the eternal future that is to come. All that was and is and will be is because of him. You know, sometimes we look at passages like John chapter 14, and I fear that we uh, isolate it out of context, and it brings us to the place where when we think of heaven, we find ourselves longing for the wrong things. I just want to ask you a question this morning. This is a critical question. I really just want to challenge you to, to be honest with yourself and just evaluate how it is you would answer this question. What do you talk about when you talk about heaven? What do you talk about when you talk about heaven? What do you think about when you think about heaven? You know, for, for a lot of people, I think it's like a lot of the hymns that I used to sing growing up and many of you probably sang growing up. We, we sing about things like mansions and glory and streets of gold and crystal seas. Or we talk about heaven and we talk about being free of suffering and being free of pain and being free of death or being reunited with loved ones that we've lost along the way. Many of the evangelistic efforts of the last century in particular have focused on the one singular question, do you want to go to heaven when you die? Spoiler alert, everybody does. And everybody thinks they're going. As if the goal is just to get us all on the same train to the same place. But when we turn our attention to God's word and we see what's revealed to us in scripture, we see very, very clearly that the point of heaven is not a place, it's a person. That person is Jesus. John Piper said it like this, the gospel is not a way to get people to heaven. It's a way to get people to God. It's a way of overcoming every obstacle to everlasting joy in God. If we don't want God above all things, we have not been converted by the gospel. Church, the point is not having a healthy body that's never gonna feel pain anymore. The point is not being reunited with our loved ones. The point is not meeting all of our favorite heroes from the Bible. The point is that we're gonna see Jesus. He is what makes this place what it is. We're gonna turn our eyes and our attention on him for all of eternity. This is so key for us. We only get to the house of the Lord by going through the Lord of the house. Have you gone through Jesus Christ? He is what makes heaven what 
it is. Our goal isn't a mansion of glory or street of gold or crystal sea, it's Jesus. Jesus is what we're after. He's our ultimate goal. So, so this is what I wanna do as we, we start to wrap up our time together this morning. We need truth to sustain us in the here and now, but we also have to keep our eyes focused on the there and then. So this is what I'm gonna give us over the next few moments very, very quickly here. I want to give us 10, yes, 10, okay, truths from scripture that will sustain us in the here and now by keeping our eyes on the there and then. So I think what's going to happen on the screen behind me is that these are going to be up in a couple of different lists. Um, and the, the passage of scripture are not all going to be up there. We basically just listed the scriptures there. I would encourage you, uh, jot these down. Uh, go talk about them in community group as you meet throughout the course of the week. Uh, you should have no shame whatsoever when they're on the screen. Just pull out your phone and take a picture of them if that's uh, easier for you because we're just going to move through these incredibly quickly. But I want us to rest in 10 truths Uh, to sustain us in the here and now that will set our eyes on the there and then. The first truth is this, this world is not our home. This world's not our home. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hebrews 13 says it like this, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. When you see the brokenness of this world, and you recognize that things are not that they should, as they should be, remember that it's because you and I are strangers in a foreign land. But one day soon, we're going home. And we're going to find everything in its place exactly as it should be. Second truth is this, our enemy has already lost. Our enemy's already lost. Colossians 2, he disarmed, that is Jesus, disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Satan might talk a big game, but he has absolutely no claim on the life of the believer. He's been stripped of his power through the triumph of the cross and the resurrection. And because of this third, death will not have the final say. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? No matter how things might seem, no matter how terrible things might seem, no matter how bad it might seem, rest assured here, church, the outcome is not uncertain. The victory has already been won and this battle is already over. It might not seem that way all the time, but Christ has once and for all crushed the head of sin and death. And because of this, fourth, we see that our suffering will not endure. Paul says in Romans 8, 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now is trial, then is triumph. Now it's pain, then it's glory. Now we carry a cross, then we will wear a crown. And our experience of joy is gonna be exponentially greater because we have passed through the fires of trouble. And in the midst of that trouble, we see fifth that we have not been left alone. Jesus promises, John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Everyone say forever, forever. No matter what your feelings may tell you, Jesus Christ has not left you alone for one second. If you are in Christ, you have never been and you never will be alone. We don't have to ask the Lord to show up. We don't have to ask him to be present. He never leaves or forsakes those who are truly his. And as he dwells within us, we see six that the Lord will complete his work in us. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter one, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God leaves absolutely no project unfinished. He is both alpha and omega. And I love how Tony Evans says this, God doesn't alpha what he won't omega. He will not refuse to finish the work that he has started. If he has started the work of salvation in you, he is going to bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And as he's working within us, we see seventh, that the mission of the church will never fail. 
It will never fail. Jesus said this to Peter, Matthew 16. I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, I heard someone say recently, he's actually a pastor, a fairly influential Christian pastor, make the statements that the future of the church is at stake in the upcoming election. I'm not sure I've ever heard a dumber thing in my life. Because Jesus has promised here that the very gates of hell will not prevail against the church. What is an election to our God? Do we seriously think the future of the church is at risk based on who's sitting in the White House? Absolutely not. Jesus Christ will build his church. He hasn't promised to build our church. He hasn't promised to build the cultural Christianity that exists in our nation, but he has promised to build his church and nothing will overcome it. Coronavirus will not overcome the church. Not wearing masks on Sunday morning will overcome the church. Not having full kids ministry on Sunday morning will overcome the church. Not religious persecution will overcome the church. No matter who's sitting in the White House, it won't overcome the church. Nothing will overcome the true church of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And the mission of the church will never fail. We are going to have confidence, eight, that our eternal future has been secured. Romans 8.30, we read this just a moment ago. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. Past tense. It has already been done. If you are in Jesus Christ, then your place in eternity has already been secured. We can live confidently, then ninth, that we will live even when we die. This is what Jesus promised in John 11.25-26 after Lazarus had died. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Christianity is the only true story where the introduction is death and the conclusion is life. Even when we die, we live. And when we do die, 10th, we will see Jesus face to face. And this is what we turn our eyes to day in and day out. This is the truth that sustains us in the here and now as we turn our eyes to the there and then. I love this picture from Revelation 22. This is, this is where it's all going, church. This is where it's all headed. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And all of this is true because the Lord is our shepherd. Because he is guiding us from start to finish. He is calling us. He keeps us. He knows us by name. He chases us down. He picks us up. He defends us and he protects us and he provides us. And no matter how far you may fall away, you will never fall so far that goodness and mercy cannot catch up to you. It will follow you if you are in Christ all the days of your life and you can live in the confidence and the security of knowing that you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever on days without end. So as we close this morning, I just wanna encourage you to, to bow your heads with me here for a moment and we're gonna enter into here really for the next uh, several minutes, just a time of, of prayer and, and of reflection and uh, repentance as we prepare our hearts and minds to come to the table. Jesus promises his disciples on that night when they do sit at the table before he goes to the cross that the next time he did this would be in his father's kingdom. And in that moment, we'll be there. And so I just want to ask you this morning to, to reflect in your heart and your mind and your life. How often do you allow yourself to pause and consider eternity? How often do you turn your mind to the truth that this world is not your home? Everything right now is so broken. It's in such disarray. It seems so out of place. 
And every time you experience that pain and you experience that emptiness and you experience the frustration of everything that's wrong, that is the Lord working in your heart to remind you that this is not your permanent residence. One day things will be right. As we stand with him face to face, this world is not your home. The enemy has already lost. Death will not have the final say. Your suffering will not endure. You have not been left alone. The Lord will complete his work in you. The mission of the church will not fail. Your eternal future has been secured. Even when you die, you will live. And the day's coming that you'll see Jesus face to face. This morning, I just ask again, who do you need to show mercy to? Who do you need to pursue with goodness and mercy the same way the Lord has pursued you? And what promise do you need to rest in to fix your eyes on eternity and live in light of that reality? So as we prepare our hearts, prepare our minds to come to the table this morning, the Apostle Paul compels us and even warns us as followers of Christ that we not do this in an unworthy manner, that we should examine ourselves. We never want to do this just out of habits or out of ritual. So just take a moment right now, ask the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit to illuminate in your heart, in your mind, in your life, any sin. Sin that you know is there, whether it's, it's attitudes, it's actions, it's motives. Maybe even things in the unseen that only God himself has seen. Just asking the Lord to, to pierce your heart with conviction, to bring that into the light. And the Holy Spirit also has this spotlight ministry. We ask him now to search our hearts. Ask him to reveal to you the sin that you can't see. Paul writes in the letter to the Romans that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It hurts to see our sin, but it's God in his kindness and his gracious discipline drawing us back to him, restoring us to right relationship with him. 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So now I just encourage you, take the sin that the Lord's revealed to you and lay that before him in confession. Ask him to give you a heart of genuine repentance. This is more than just feeling sorry for your sin. This is agreeing with God that our sin is great, that it's an infinite offense against him. And ultimately, it's a turning from our sin. So ask the Lord to help you turn from your sin to cease your sin. Finally, now just thank him. Thank him for the provision he's made through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came to this earth and he lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. And he didn't cancel us, he canceled our sin. He became our sin so that we could become his righteousness. So Father, we thank you for this. 
we thank you for the perfect sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, who did for us what we could never do for ourselves. Father, I, just, I confess it's been so easy these last several months to focus on everything that's not you, Lord. So I pray, Father, this morning for all of us that we would be guarded against only giving you sporadic attention. And that you would help us to live in light of the eternity that is to come. Father, that we could make the most of the time we have in the here and now. You set our eyes on that day and that moment that we will see you face to face. And we will be gathered with you at your table to praise you day and night forever and ever. And to be united with our greatest hope, which is Jesus Christ. So, Father, as we come to this table this morning, will you be glorified as we worship, as we, as we confess, as we repent, as we turn. Father, as we commit to you, restore us to right relationship with you. And help us to leave from this place today knowing that your goodness and your mercy are going to chase us out the door that you will work all things together for good and that you will not relent in pursuing us with your favor. Be glorified now as we come to the table. We ask all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen, amen. Well, if you're here today with us for the very first time, uh, typically when our church gathers, uh, we, we take communion weekly, and we have uh, scaled that back a little bit since regathering a couple of months ago. We've been taking communion uh, the first Sunday uh, of each month, and um, we always want to be able to do this at a time where we're not having to rush through it, and we're, we're not just checking a box. And so, um, so we really want to encourage you to continue even just taking your time in the next several moments to pray and to sing and to worship as you feel led to confess and to repent and just to go honestly before the Lord uh, in prayer. And what's going to happen here in just a moment is we're going to stand together and sing and the worship team will lead us in song. And uh, whether you're in this room here or you're watching from the overflowed room, there's tables that are set up in the front of the room. And uh, what we'll ask you to do at any point in time as we sing, as you feel led, uh, you, as you're standing, you feel free to make your way towards the front of the room. I ask you to come up the center aisle go through either one of these tables uh, and then return to your seats from the outside aisles. And what we have this morning is uh, this is a packet, a pre-packaged communion packet, and it's got uh, the juice and a wafer that's on top. Um, so we won't have anybody handing that to you as you're coming through. And again, we understand just with everything that's happening right now, if you're still not comfortable coming to the table, receiving the elements of the Lord's Supper, we completely understand. You should feel no shame in that whatsoever if you're not yet comfortable making that step. But we have made that available to you this morning uh, for those who feel led uh, to partake. So if you are here today with us as a professing follower of Jesus Christ, or even if you're not formally a member of this church, but you profess faith in Jesus Christ, uh, we invite you this morning uh, to partake of the Lord's Supper. We have obviously a number of kids with us here in the room. So parents, if your uh, children have made a profession of faith in Jesus and they've uh, made that profession known through baptism, we absolutely encourage them uh, to partake of the Lord's Supper under your guidance um, and, and uh, your direction um, here in the next few moments. Um, and again, anyone who's here as a follower of Christ, we invite you today um, to partake. So before we have uh, anyone across the room move, is there anyone here in this room, overflow area staff, I'll ask you to keep your eyes out. Uh, who's in need of physical assistance, you need us to bring communion to you. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand where you are? We'll be glad to serve you where you are. Let's see any hands in, in this room. So uh, let's go ahead and stand together.
Uh, as you feel led, begin making your way uh, up towards the table. We do ask that you keep appropriate uh, distance, about six feet between those who will come in front. So it uh, may take us a few moments for everyone to be served. But as you feel led, uh, make your way to the table. Hold on to those elements. Once everybody's been served, we'll come back up and partake together. But let's sing and worship.
more time. Surely goodness. Surely goodness. Surely mercy. Right beside me all my days. And I will dwell in your house Get this packets. There's a uh, one clear foil that's on top, and uh, it's two separate ones. The top one uh, gives you access to uh, a wafer that's there, and then the second um, gives access to the juice that's there. So if you need a moment to uh, configure that, I'll let you work that out for just a moment. But this is uh, from the Gospel of Matthew, the institution of the Lord's Supper. Matthew 26, verse 26 says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. If you belong to Christ, this belongs to you. Let's partake. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of this vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. If you belong to Christ, this belongs to you. Let's partake. Father, we thank you for the broken body and shed blood of your son, Jesus. We thank you that he took our place in death so that we could stand with you in life. Fathers, we go today, would we go declaring what it is you've instituted here? So the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, is the only hope of salvation for all mankind. Turn our eyes to the day that you will return when we will see you face to face and we will be, re- re- be united with you in your kingdom as we gather around the table with your son. Set our eyes on that day. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen. You can be seated here for just a moment uh, as we, uh, we wrap things up today. Um, several big things. We wrapped up a little bit early this morning. We've got several big things that we're going to uh, highlight for you here uh, for, for just a moment. Um, first thing is uh, today we've wrapped up uh, Psalm chapter 23. And just to give you a heads up about where we'll be going over the next uh, several weeks. Um, next month we'll be studying, really the rest of the month of August, we'll be studying uh, Acts chapter 2 as we continue to regather as a church. We're going to visit uh, the early church in Acts chapter 2. And this is just an opportunity for our church family, I think for any church family, to hit a hard reset and really evaluate who are we and what are we doing in light of what's been revealed to us in God's Word. So for the next few weeks, uh, we'll be studying Acts chapter 2. And then uh, beginning Sunday after Labor Day, Lord willing, we will be studying the book of Philippians for the rest of the year because Philippians is about having joy regardless of the circumstances. And I think that's okay uh, for, for us to focus on for the rest of this year and probably much needed, at least it is for, for me. So uh, that's where we're going the, the rest of the year. And then uh, we also want to highlight this morning, um, 
Leandra mentioned this early, we are going to continue over these next several weeks, Lord willing, uh, slow uh, phases of regathering. Now, if you walk in the front door of the YMCA, you see the maximum occupancy that's there. Uh, We're pretty much maxing that out each week. That's why we have the service registration. That's why we have uh, about as many people in this room as we're allowed to have. We have about as many people in the overflow room each week as we're allowed uh, to have. We're going to be able to slightly increase uh, as we begin adding back kids. Our plan uh, is to uh, reopen Cross Kids in at least some modified capacity uh, the Sunday after Labor Day as schools are continuing to reopen as well. Again, parents, you're always going to be welcome to bring your kids in here if you're not uh, comfortable with that yet, but we do hope and plan to be up to that place. But uh, that being said, we have this very unique circumstance that we find ourselves in right now as a church, which is uh, that, you know, Buford, is, as you all know, if you've lived here any amount of time, it's a very transient community. Um, each year, we, we refuse to, to say the word that people leave. Uh, we send them out because that's good Jesus church language to uh, wherever it is the Marine Corps actually is sending them, but we pretend we're the ones sending them to um, as missionaries to their next outpost. But uh, what happens usually each summer is about a third of our congregation changes over, uh, and then many new faces come in, and that's happened still somewhat to an extent this year, but typically we use the summer to reload our volunteer teams. And uh, on top of the challenges of those transitions this year, we've had everything that's, ha- that's happened uh, with coronavirus as well. And so we have absolutely no shame in standing here this morning and saying, there is an opportunity to serve everywhere across the board. And so I want to ask you just uh, to take out the next steps card that's on your seat. Maybe you've already got it in your hands this morning. And uh, on these next steps cards, we've, we've given you opportunity to indicate uh, places to serve. And so uh, there's a box on this back about uh, next steps, about all the ministry teams that we have. But whether it is our load-in, our load-out team, our kids' ministry team, all of our welcome teams, and we always want to do our very, very best to be welcoming people that are coming through the doors every single week. You, man, just pick one, and I promise you that there is a need right now. And so what we're going to be doing this Sunday, really for the next several Sundays, leading all the way back up to that reopening of Cross Kids, is we are going to be challenging you. If you are not serving somewhere, get involved with a volunteer team. Our whole staff is here in the back of the room. So Leandra's back there. She's of our kids' ministry. Michael is back there. Uh, he's over all of our welcome team, load and loadout team, first-time guests. Grayson is up here, sound media and tech. Uh, Kenny's in the back of the room as well. This, especially being lower numbers, it's a great opportunity to interact with staff, to get intera- um, to have questions that you might have about serving on any one of these teams. But our challenge is, uh, even if you're not formally a member of this church, but if you call Cross Community Church home, this is where you worship regularly, our challenge is that you get involved somewhere serving on a ministry team. And we're just going to do our very best uh, to beef those teams back up in the next several weeks. So as far as we're concerned as a church, our all options are still on the table. Um, we, we do think that we'll probably be adding back a third service as, as we continue to reopen kids and uh, as we prepare for the school year to start back up. Uh, Lord willing, we'll be live streaming in a couple weeks, probably probably two, three weeks, hopefully. We, uh, we got all that equipment mostly started coming in this week. And like every church in America, we're trying to shift the live stream. And so a lot of it was back ordered, uh, but it's finally starting to come in. So that's going to be made available. We, th- this is what I want you to hear me saying this morning. Um, a lot of the restrictions we face in terms of the, the, the occupancy, capacity of this building, having to wear masks, these are not our choices. Uh, this is not our facility. We have to do what we're being asked to do to be good stewards of this. But our commitment to you as a church family is that we will do absolutely everything we can do. 
And we will, we will absolutely do our very best to continually put our best foot forward and serve to the maximum capacity that we are allowed given the restrictions um, that we have. But our desire is to continue, as we've always, all done for the last several months, is just to continue driving forward this mission of preaching the gospel and making disciples. That's something that we've got to do um, together. So be praying through that, connect with our staff. We challenge you, uh, serve somewhere um, in these next several weeks. Uh, last thing I want to highlight for you this morning is that we have a staff transition to share with you today. So I want to just all of our staff are in the room. You guys go ahead and come up here um, now. Uh, yeah, come on and uh, make your way up this direction. And Patty, and where's John? Yep. Can you relocate to the front here, John? Is that a, you? You can. You will. And we're going to embarrass you here for just a moment. But uh, many of you may know this. Many of you might not know this. Uh, Patty and John, unfortunately, are going to be moving uh, in uh, really just the next several days. They're moving to Alabama. And um, over the last couple years, Patty has served us uh, part-time as an admin, uh, admin assistant and office manager within our, our office context, um, doing a lot of our behind-the-scenes day-to-day. So especially things like service registration, uh, sign-ups, um, following up with our Next Steps cards, everything. That's really fallen under Patty a, a lot for the last couple of years. And so uh, Patty has served us very well, very, very faithfully. And so um, this morning, uh, Patty and John, we've got um, just a small gift that we want to be able to give you um, as a thank you. And I've got a card hidden in my Bible. I'm supposed to be handing that to you um, right now as well. And, uh, but Patty, we're incredibly faithful, thankful for how faithfully um, you've served on our staff. John has been leading our prayer team uh, the last several months, of course, leading us on the worship team as well. And uh, they've, they've been friends to us and they've served our staff very, very faithfully. Um, so could you join me in saying thank you to Patty and John this morning just for their service here. And um, so, Kate, Dustin, I'd like to ask you to pray for Patty. Can we hand a mic to Dustin real quick? I'm sorry, I should have arranged that a little bit earlier. And um, thank you. And uh, will you join us, just church families, just to show support for them? Will you extend one hand up this direction for Patty and John as we pray for them and send them out this morning? Father, I want to thank you very much for, um, for Patty and John, Lord God, and what they've meant in uh, the staff's life, uh, just how they have uh, just brought such vibrant um, uh, ministry, Lord God, into, uh, into our church. Uh, Father, I just uh, I pray over Patty right now, Lord God, as she makes this transition, Lord God, uh, to a new community, Lord God, to a new place. Uh, Father, that you would just uh, help her to plant her feet. Father God, I pray pray the same for John, Lord God, as he uh, leads his family in this direction, Lord God, and uh, that you would settle them, uh, protect them as they go. Uh, Father God, lift up uh, John and Patty, just uh, help them to grow, Lord God. They have uh, so uh, immensely plugged into uh, the community here, Lord God, and I pray for the same as they go out, that uh, they would find a community of believers that they can uh, dive right into, Lord God, to serve, uh, to outreach. Lord God, to do everything that they've been doing here, Lord God, uh, just in a new area. Lord God, and we are broken to, uh, to send them out. Lord God, we're sad uh, because this is the part of the Christian experience, Lord God, that you send us uh, all over the place, uh, Father God. And friendships and relationships that have grown and been forged, Lord God, uh, have to change. Father, but uh, we also send them out in love. Lord, we love them. We uh, have grown to, uh, to just... Uh, be so overwhelmed with their company, Lord God, uh, and we're just so thankful for them. We're thankful for the time that you gave them to us, Father God. I uh, pray that you would just uh, be with them as they go, Lord God. Let them know that uh, our love is always with them, and we love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We say thank you to Patty and John one more time. 
And then uh, in light of that, just asking the rest of the staff to kind of stay, um, stay put here for just a second. Um, so transitioning as Patty moves on, um, about a month ago, we had announced a new staff member, Shay Shaw, uh, who was going to be coming and uh, working as a children's ministry assistant. But um, turns out the Lord had other plans uh, for this. And so Shay is actually going to be joining us now full time, uh, taking essentially Patty's role. It's going to look a little bit different. Um, Shay will still pretty much be the person when you call the office, she'll be the first person that you hear and be able to guide you and direct you uh, where you need to go. But Shay is also going to be overseeing for us new member care. Um, so as we welcome new families into our church, she'll be the person who really walks with them uh, hand in hand through our cross point process and membership process, making sure families get connected to community groups, get connected to service opportunities. Uh, we want to make sure we're doing our very, very best to welcome new families within our church. And then Shay will also be handling a lot of my personal day-to-day uh, type administration. And so all that's going to be uh, happening over the next few months. We do actually have a few other part-time roles that we've gotten started, but we're not going to share all that uh, this morning. We'll progressively lay that out to you over the next um, couple of weeks. So can we, uh, for the second time, welcome Shay uh, into her new role on our staff. Glad to have her and her little guy Dawson here with us as well. So, so John Pay, thank you guys. Staff, thank you guys um, for, for being up here this morning. And again, thank you for sitting tight here for, for several minutes as we uh, laid all those things out to you today. Just want to make sure you stay in the loop uh, about what's going on. So lots of staff transitions. Bottom line, if you have a question, who do I contact about what? Contact the office and we will make sure uh, your, your question, your inquiry gets directed where it needs to go and we'll take care of those things. So uh, that being said, let's stand together. We'll say together our banner verse from Psalm 45, 17, uh, and then we will sing together as we close this morning. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Amen. Let's sing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Guys, we love you so much. We'll see you again next week.